How are we all today? Good. Wow, a few people are great. If you're a guest here, it's great to have you with us today. Um, as you could probably gather, we're celebrating something about someone. Uh, this celebration today is about his, his resurrection, but the person doesn't change. His name is Jesus, and he is the center of everything we do. He is the person we love, and he is the reason we're here today. And I'm glad that you've made it today. I'm glad that you've, be, you've been able to join us today. And let's see what God has for us. Who no. <laughs> <It> has this? <laughs> it's our boss's fault. You can blame him for almost anything, and you're probably right, even if he's not been around. Thank you, sir. Thank you, our boss. Thank you. Brilliant. As I mentioned, uh, it's about Jesus and his resurrection today. Um, but before we get onto that, let me just uh, tell you about my first experience here in this country about Easter. Uh, when I first came here, my first experience of Easter was totally different from the ones I already had before. I was a Christian already for about a few years, and I came here thinking, yes, it's going to be Easter, and everybody is going to be celebrating it. And then, of course, many people were celebrating it uh, for all different sorts of reasons. Um, many people were in the shops um, trying to back some bargains, and of course, that included Mavash. And I was just sat, sat around in the shop, bored, as she was do, uh, doing some shopping. So that's my first experience of Easter. And I was thinking to myself, has somebody told these people what this day is about? Don't they really know what it's all about? Uh, is it not in the news? Have they not been told as they were growing up? Is it not being taught in the schools? And then I realized later on that it wasn't the case, as I thought, unfortunately. Some people were celebrating it for the right reason, and that was because Jesus Christ had resurrected and he had overcome death. But many people um, didn't really know what Easter was about. Uh, I did some research, and um, well, it was a few days ago, and I found out that one of the newspapers uh, had done a survey, and last year, around 48% of children didn't know what Easter is about in this country. So it's almost half the children in the country don't really know why they celebrate Easter. They just think it's about eggs and chocolates. They just think about it's uh, bunnies, Chocolate factories make lots of money, and they think, well, that's all about it, really. And we're going to have a couple of weeks of, uh, uh, off from school, which is great, because you don't have to go to school. Um, but I thought, there must be another reason, because the church does preach Jesus Christ. But it's because perhaps we preach Jesus Christ crucified more often than we preach him resurrected. So let today be the day that wherever you go, you preach Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected, and Jesus glorified. And let this be the start of many days to come where you preach him the way he is, not just on the cross, because he didn't stay there. The Bible says he didn't stay there, because then otherwise our preaching would be in vain. He didn't stay there. He was buried. He rose again and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is glorified. So Easter is about his resurrection, which brings salvation, hope, and power 
and let's see how. But for some of us here, is it me or is it Abbas? Yeah. <laughs> We're probably right again, <laughs> blaming him. But as the church of Jesus Christ, let us shout together, and I mean it. Let us shout that Jesus is alive. Let's do it together. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Amen. Tell the person next to you that he is alive. Amen. Church is not just about sitting really nice and tidy on the chairs. Church is not about this chair. Church is about you and I, and he is building his church. Church is the bride of Jesus Christ, and he loves his church. So even if it looks messy, it's great, because that's how he sees it. So, but some of you here might think, well, what's it got to do with me? Well, I don't even know this Jesus guy. Well, it's got everything to do with you. It's got everything to do with you. The Bible says that we were separated from God because of something called sin, disobedience to God. So we were separated from Him, and the Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of His glory. So that there isn't one single person in this room who can say, I can have access to God based on what I do. Then the Bible also says that God, out of His great love for us, He sent His Son who came and lived on this earth, on this planet. He came and lived here. He grew up. He had a job. He ate and drank. He had friends and some enemies too, maybe more than friends. He traveled. He even went to some weddings. But I don't think they were as boring as some of the, some of the ones that I've been to. <laughs> but he went to weddings, so he was living a normal life with one big difference. He never sinned. He was tempted, but he never sinned. Then, one day, one of his supposedly friends betrays him. He's sold into the hands of the Romans. They come and get him. What do they do to him? To this sinless man who hadn't known anything but healing the lame, making the blind to see? This person who walked on the streets proclaiming the kingdom of God, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The person who became friends to the lonely. The person who was the hope of the hopeless. The person who became friends with the marginalized. What did they do to him? They beat him. He was wounded. They even spat on his face. He was wounded. They didn't just leave him there. They crucified him, put him on a cross with nails on his hands. He died a horrible death. And his disciples, they were all scattered. They all ran away in fear. Then a guy came and said, well, I'll bury him. They wanted to give him a proper Jewish burial, but they couldn't because it was almost Sabbath, and they weren't allowed to do any work. So they just put him in a tomb, go home. And then on the third day, which was the first day of their week, a few women, they wake up, they go and buy some spices to go and give him a proper Jewish burial. They go near the tomb, 
crying, perhaps beating themselves, thinking, where is this great teacher? Why did they kill him? They go near the tomb. The stone had been rolled away, and there was nothing in there, <laughs> just a piece of cloth. <laughs> where was Jesus? Had somebody stolen him? No, he had risen. <laughs> he wasn't amongst the death. They shouldn't have been looking for him there because he was alive. He had risen from the death. And that's why we are celebrating that today. And as Christians, we're not just celebrating it one day every year. We need to celebrate it every single moment of our lives because without resurrection, his crucifixion would be nothing. He would just be another person dead. That wouldn't mean anything. He would just be another good guy living on this earth, being crucified. But he was crucified, he was also resurrected. And he is alive today. And that's why he speaks to us. That's why when we have gifts of the Spirit coming forward, it's because Jesus is alive. And when he went, he said, I won't leave you alone, I will give you my Spirit. And as his children, proclaim this day in, day out. Declare this in your lives. And I told you he never sinned. That included he never lied. And let's hear what he said. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He never lied, and these are his words. And if you believe in him today, he will forgive all your sins. He will become your best friend. I can assure you better than the one you already have. He will become your everything. He won't let you down, ever. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. Because his resurrection was really the point that grabbed me, that really grabbed my heart. Because for years and years, I was worshipping a God that was dead. For years and years, I was going to people who were dead. And even their followers would say, yes, they are dead. But I had to go to them and say, you know what, can you do something for me? Can you take a message to, to this God? Uh, and of course, they wouldn't be able to do it because they were dead themselves. So, having grown up in the Middle Eastern culture, you're not really allowed to criticize anything that other people say who are older than you, never mind God. So you couldn't really ask God questions. Uh, when I first came here and I was studying at university, they were, they were teaching us about critical thinking. And I thought, oh God, is this heresy? Is this something that I shouldn't really learn? Because you're just not allowed to do it. But whereas here is different. But being a teenager and rebellious, I decided to ask God. I thought, well, the worst is that I'll be dead. So I told him, look God, I'm praying to you the way you're telling me to. I even fast 30 days every year. I had counted the numbers, sometimes 29. Then, why is it that I'm still not feeling satisfied? Why is it that I just feel there is something missing in my life? And then I heard this voice saying, have you heard about Jesus Christ? And I looked around and there wasn't anyone around. Um, nobody around. So it was God. And then I thought, yes, I have heard about him. Uh, the things that I knew about him which weren't completely true. So I knew about him, but not the way that he introduces himself. Not the way that this book, the Bible, tells us who Jesus is. 
So I decided to go and find out about him. And you know what? When I went and found out about him and I found out that he's alive, I thought, oh God, where have you been all this time? I've been looking for you and you're alive and you haven't spoken to me. And then I found out, actually, when I inquired, he did speak to me and he said, have you heard about me? Have you heard about Jesus Christ? So I thought, he's alive. God is alive. He's not dead. He is alive and that's why he looks after me. That's why he can speak to me because he's alive. Try to speak to a dead person. You won't get anything out of them. He's alive and that's why he can speak to you. He's alive. God is alive. Even death couldn't hold him down. Even the power of the grave couldn't hold him down. He, he, wasn't, he didn't stay in that cold, dark tomb. He's alive. So notice, people of God, notice that he's alive. And if you don't believe in him, speak to him. Ask him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him questions. Not with a stubborn heart. Really mean it. And he will speak to you. If you don't know him, don't miss this moment. Take a step of faith and say, Jesus, I want to get to know you. Ask him and he will re reveal himself to you. Read his word. He never lies. Guaranteed. Speak to him. If you don't know him today, don't miss this moment. Don't let it just pass by. Let's check some facts. Did you really, did Jesus really raise from the dead? Uh, you like taking facts here in this country. You just like researching stuff, um, finding out what percentage of people think this. And I mean, it's all numbers and everything. So checking facts is something that you learned from your childhood. But to me, it's, it was something new. So I had to, do, to go and do some studying on it. But let's check some facts. Did the solar eclipse really happen on the 20th of March? Or was it a delusion? Did it happen? Yeah, many people agree that it did happen. Did England lose to Germany by four goals in World Cup 2010? No, some people deny it, but it's a fact. So, <laughs> sorry. But even worse, can you really question this bit? Did England win the World Cup in 1966? Dare to, say, dare to say no. They did. It's, these are facts. Let's check some facts about Jesus Christ. So these are facts. I mean, when I, when I first uh, had critical thinking and trying to question things, I was speaking to my mom on the phone, and she was telling me, oh, son, I miss you, and, uh, and all the things that mothers usually say. And, I miss you, and I love you, and all this. And I thought, is she telling me the truth? Shall I believe her? Critical thinking. Um, what if she's not telling me the truth? No, I'm joking. I did believe her because that's a fact. Around the time of Jesus, many people came claiming to be the Messiah. So they wanted to quicken the process of the kingdom of God coming down, so they claimed to be the Messiah. They had a difference with Jesus, which we'll find out in a minute. So they came and claimed to be the Messiah, and lots of guys around them would say, yes, this is the Messiah, let's go and bring the Romans down, let's go, we are the chosen people, let's go and be, beat them, and let's just have our own kingdom. Uh, then the Romans would find out about this leader guy, would take him, as soon as they take him, all the followers would be scattered around, and once the leader was killed, then that was the whole movement gone with them in the grave. None of them rose again. The difference with Jesus was that he came, 
he had lots and lots of claims, and he fulfilled them. So he claimed to be who he is. He claimed to rise again from the dead, and he did. That was his difference with the other people who claimed that. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, my king, and by the way, his name of Jesus. His name is Jesus, if you haven't already figured out. Um, some about his birth, some about his life and ministry, some about his uh, death, and some about his resurrection. And let's just read a couple of them about his resurrection, and uh, let's just examine them. In Psalm 16, verse 10, written by David around a thousand years before Christ. We read, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. In Hosea, we read, After two days he will revive us, on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. In Matthew, uh, verse 20, sorry, chapter 20, verses 17 to 19, Jesus himself says, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, meaning himself, Jesus, will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Abbas, can you sort this out, please? <laughs> so this is what Jesus says about himself. And now let's read that in Luke. Maybe you can just hold it, Abbas, like here. <laughs> At least you've got something to do. <laughs> now, let's read the account that Dr. Luke has gathered, he's put together, um, and let's just read that. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 9. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Good question. He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Amen. So, let's see if somebody wanted to put these things together, just to fulfill all these prophecies, to, to, and to claim that I am the Messiah. How could somebody do that? I mean, it's really hard to fabricate more than 300 uh, prophecies, and how can you fabricate your own birth? Anyway, but this bit is written by Luke. Uh, and if the first disciples wanted to twist things to say that Jesus is the Messiah when he wasn't, they weren't really skilled in that. They didn't choose good methods. Because it says it was the first day of the week, and who went to the tomb? Some women. In that culture, Woman's testimony wouldn't be counted. Now, it doesn't matter whether there was one of them, four, five, or a hundred of them. It wouldn't really be counted. They were just not counted in the society. So the disciples didn't choose the right people to send along if they wanted to fabricate things. But God doesn't work that way. 
God works in mysterious ways. He chooses the one who's obedient to him. So now if you sat here today thinking God can't use me, he will surprise you. And you're probably in the right place when you think, oh, I can't do anything, so I might as well let God do it. That's the right place. So if you sat here today thinking, how can God use me? Let him surprise you. It's about obedient in your heart. Whether you're man or woman, God will use you if you're obedient to him and if you wholeheartedly follow him. So they've bought some spices. These women were going to really bury Jesus. They weren't going to expect him to have risen because they'd already prepared themselves to bury him, to put these spices on him, wrap him in a cloth, put him in a tomb, and say goodbye to him. So they'd gone there with the heart of finding their master still sleeping there. So when they go there, they had to overcome a few hurdles. Four of them, I think at least, had visited the tomb. Luke could change things slightly, couldn't he? He could have said uh, four men and could have just given some Greek names. He could have said, oh, just to be a bit fair, well, two women and two men went to the tomb. But he didn't because the word of God is inspired. And as we noticed, the, the, uh, we meant, there's the mention of the 11 and the rest. It's not the normal 12, because one of them who betrayed Jesus, he just hung himself. So Judas wasn't among them, amongst them. When the disciples found out about Jesus, when this woman went back, the disciples didn't believe them. So we read in some accounts that Peter and uh, John decided to run to the tomb, and they actually found out that it was empty. They had two options to think, oh, now it's getting even worse. Because, first of all, he died, and now his body is not even here. Or they would remember the words that Jesus told them, that I will rise, that I will not stay in the tomb, and have their hopes reinstated. They were restored. They had hope. Are you hopeless today? Now, you don't have to shout out that you're hopeless. But if in a church there aren't people who are hopeless, then maybe we should go and tell our neighbors and our colleagues and other people about this Jesus because there are hopeless people in the world. And maybe we should bring them here on a Sunday so they can hear the word of God. Maybe we should bring them here, invite them so that they can see what God has done in our lives. So are you hopeless? If you are, you're in the right place. I can't give you hope, but I can point you to someone whose name is Jesus, he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is the hope of the universe. He is the hope of this world. Now, if you believe in him and you're still not sure, then trust in him. Ask him. He is the answer. You will not hear anything different other than Jesus Christ is the answer. It's him. If you're trying to get it out of anyone else, they will let you down sooner or later. A day, a week, a year, or ten years later. But Jesus will never let you down. Come on, he's alive. He overcame death. There is nothing that can stand against him. There is nothing that has the power of standing against Jesus. So these disciples had their hopes reinstated. What did they do when they, when they heard and they saw that Jesus was alive? They were still 
sat in a room somewhere, frightened, until the Spirit of God came on them. And that was when it all started. We should really be grateful to them. Because they stood up against religious people. Some of them knew most part of this, inside and out. And these guys, some of them who weren't educated, stood up and said, let us tell you what this is all about. It's about this person that you just killed. His name is Jesus, and he is the Messiah. And it's about him, and there is salvation in him alone. And you know what? They weren't given good positions. They weren't given financial help. They didn't gain anything from it other than their obedience to Jesus. Because their position, more often than not, was behind the bars. So they would go and proclaim Jesus. They would catch them, put them in prison. God would open the doors of the prison. They would go out again. What would they do? Preach gospel. If they were preaching a false gospel, they would give up after the first or the second time they were in prison. If they were preaching the false gospel, they could be bribed. Come on, some gold and silver. They didn't have British pound at the time. Some gold, some silver, some diamonds. Let's just keep it quiet about this Jesus guy. He's gone. It's just, you're having a group hallucination. And they would say, okay, yes, we were just having a delusion. We're not so sure. So let's just keep it quiet. He never rose up. He died, and that's it. Let's just go and have some good time. Let's buy a house in an island and just live there for the rest of our lives. No, because they had seen him, and his power had changed them. We were singing the songs that it's him who changes us, and the way he changes us is so different from the ways that we try to change ourselves. Guys who are married, how many times have you tried to, to change yourselves because your spouse had told you to do so, because you're doing something wrong. And how long did you manage to keep that up? Somebody shouted five minutes? Great. We should adore you. The changes that we try to bring, they don't really last long. It's our boss again. But the way that God changes us is different. So he changed some fishermen who were lowly in the society, and now their names are written here, and their testimonies are a great example to us. They weren't preaching themselves because they're dead as well. They were preaching the one risen Lord. And let us do that. As you go out, I was going to say tomorrow, but it's bank holiday, some of us don't go to work. But the next day you go to work, university, your colleges, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, people might think you're annoying, but when they fall in love with Jesus, they'll be doing the same thing. So don't worry if they tell you, oh, you're annoying, or this person talks about Jesus all the time. It's an honor for me to be known by that name, to be known by, oh, he talks about Jesus all the time anyway, let's just forget about him. When they fall in love with Jesus, they would want to do the same thing, just like the disciples. So I want to encourage you. As you go out, preach the gospel. Now, I've got a great example uh, with me. Uh, some people think she's annoying at points. Um, no comment on that. Uh, Mavash. <laughs> we went uh, to, to see our doctor together. Um, 
and it was the first time we'd seen her. So uh, she said, okay, what do you do? So we started telling her about our jobs. It was the first time we met her. And then she, uh, Mavish said, oh, it's not just the job. We have other commitments. Uh, we're part of a church. And so I started t telling her about Jesus. And, and I was thinking, oh, God, where is this going to go? And then uh, this doctor said, oh, which church do you go to? I thought, no, it's getting worse. Uh, Mavish said, I was hoping, oh, no, don't tell her Jubilee. Just, just change the conversation. And she said, Jubilee Church, Teesside. And so she took the opportunity. And it was amazing that the doctor knew some of our friends here. Um, so, and she said, oh, do you know Dr. Saha? And I said, oh, yes, he's one of our elders. So the conversation just kept on going. And I was just thinking, oh, God, maybe I should just pretend I don't understand English, just, you know, as you normally do. Uh, <laughs> so it usually comes handy. Me, no English, uh, uh, goodbye. <laughs> and he would just run away. So it was amazing. It was really, really encouraging to me that she took her chances of preaching the gospel to somebody she's just met. Because sometimes in this country, you can be very polite. You can think, oh, let's just do this in a certain way. Uh, let's just have a cup of tea first. Preach the gospel in your first opportunity. Putting the kettle on is great. Preach the gospel. And I'm not saying bash people in the head with the Bible. Sometimes you really want to do it because, I mean, I can also help you depending on the person that you're trying to do it to. But preach the gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preach that he's alive. Yes, he was crucified. He's also risen and he's in glory. He just didn't rise from the dead, but he's also seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in glory. So preach the gospel. Uh, learn from one another. I hate to say this, but I learned from Mavash. Uh, she, it was just a great example. Step out in faith. Because it's not you who'd be doing it. It's God who changes hearts. But we can step out in faith. So, do you believe Jesus is alive? If you don't, ask him and he will reveal it to you. Now, there might be some of you here who don't know Jesus for all he is, because I was the same. I used to think of him as a good prophet. I used to think of him as somebody, as a great guy, as a good teacher. I used to think of, I, I used to respect him quite a lot. I used to think of him as a person who actually came and lived on the earth, but wasn't crucified, because God wouldn't allow his prophet to be crucified and just lived. And he was the prophet of love. Yes, he was this sort of things, but he was crucified. And he wasn't just a prophet. He is the son of God. He is the image of the invisible God, as we just heard Paul brought from Colossians 1, 15 to 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, authorities or powers, they were all created through him and for him, so that he would be the first in everything. So he's just not just another man. He's not just another good guy. He's not just another prophet. He is God incarnate. He is the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is what the Bible calls the Lion of Judah, but he was also the Lamb who was slain for you and I. His blood was shed for you and I, so that if we believe in him, we can have eternity with him. 
Think about your eternity. If you don't believe in Jesus, where are you heading to? Do you know this Jesus for all he is? If you don't, we'd love to talk to you. If you don't know him, I would like to know more about him. Please do come and talk to us at the end. We're going to have some time to pray for one another because I think it's great to pray in the name of Jesus because there is power in his name. And last night, God gave me some words. You know, it can be annoying when he wakes you up in the middle of the night. It's either the spouse is snoring or God. So, God spoke to me last night. Um, and I spoke to a couple of people this morning about it as well. Uh, I feel that I, God spoke to me about uh, people with celiac disease here, especially a woman. Uh, and I just feel that God wants to heal this person. I've already prayed with a couple of our friends here that I was aware uh, of them. Uh, but I think there is somebody here a young woman who has celiac disease and God wants to heal it. If it's you, please do come forward so that we can pray for you. We can pray for healing. It doesn't necessarily have to be this word. There is power in the name of Jesus. We can pray for restoration. Maybe you believe in Jesus. You have believed in him for many years, but you've really never had that sort of relationship with him. Let us pray for you. Come and commit yourself to him. Maybe you want to get to know him. Maybe you want to give him your life for the first time. Please do come and speak to us. Don't miss this opportunity. To Christians, there is nothing better than seeing people coming to get to know Jesus. Because the life of Christians is all about him anyway. It's all about Jesus. Whatever we do, whatever we say, we want to give him glory. So when we pray for healing, and when we see healing, it's not us. It's about him at work. And he will receive all the glory. If it's about restoration, when you're restored, he gets all the glory. It's not us. But as his people, we step out in faith, and we lay hands on one another, and we declare the mighty name of Jesus. And in faith, we expect the power of spirit to come. Can I ask the band to come up, please? Would you like to be prayed for today? If yes, please come forward now. I'm, going to, uh, I'm a bit countercultural because you shouldn't really single out people, especially when everybody else is sad. But there is no shame in being prayed for. I actually want to be prayed for as well today. Because it's in the name of Jesus, my God, <laughs> our King, our Lord and Savior, the image of the invisible God. <laughs> so there is no shame in that. If you'd like to be prayed for, please do come forward now. If you want to be prayed for for healing, particularly for the word that was brought, please do come and let us know so that we can pray for you. For anything else, do come. Ministry team, if I could ask you to be on your toes, please. Let us stand up together. Let us worship this king who died, who was buried, and rose again. What are you going to give this king today? Your whole life? 
your everything because that's what he deserves. This king is eagerly waiting for you. If you don't know him, ask him. And if you'd like to be prayed for, please don't miss this opportunity and do come forward.